do you do it? That is a question asked of working mamas. How do I balance a career and a family? Can I have both? Do I have to pick? I'm here to tell you that you don't have to pick and you can have both. Sometimes we have seasons where our work is a bit busier or our family life takes more of our time, but you absolutely don't have to and shouldn't have to choose. If you're feeling called into the workspace, you can create a work-life balance that is suitable for you. Does it come with its challenges? Oh yeah, but what doesn't? Life is challenging. And if you're called to be a stay-at-home mama, that's amazing. If you're feeling called to the workplace or need to be in the workplace, God will provide a way for you to be both a good worker and a great mom. My guest today, Susan Landers, is an example of being able to create a productive work life, a great medical career, while also maintaining her faith and guiding her children while they grew up in church. Spiritual growth has been a beacon in her journey, and she has had her share of challenges, including suffering through an episode of postpartum depression at the age of 40 after the birth of her third child and also having to work with her husband through a crucial time in their marriage. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation about a work-life balance, so let's dive in. Hey mama, welcome to Goal Driven Moms. Do you want to find yourself again outside of motherhood and clarify your God-given goals? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering how to find simple systems to keep you on track? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals only to feel guilty, prioritizing your interests over others' needs? Hey, I'm Gabe, and I too was a busy working mom who lost herself to motherhood. I put my dreams on the shelf where they collected dust for years. I was pulled in a thousand directions with too many to-dos piling up, and I desperately wanted to find a way to create a work-life balance and be present for my family. I wished I could enjoy interests of my own, but I kept telling myself I didn't have what it takes, others would judge me, and that me time was selfish until I found out a little secret. My kids need me to be their example and they need to see me win. Yours do too. In this podcast, you will discover how to clarify your goals, how to plan with purpose, and how to ditch your distractions and simplify your home so you can turn your passions into purpose by pursuing your goals God's way. In order to realize finish line goals, we need to be willing to step into the fire of refinement so God can mold us into women ready to crush our goals His way. I've learned to use my interest in running to enhance my productivity and spiritual growth. I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Lace up those running shoes and step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for hopping on with me today. I'm super excited for our conversation. Thanks. It's just wonderful to be invited. I love your podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Well, I want to get to know you a little bit better. I want my audience to get to know you a little bit better. So, so what can you tell us about yourself and your family before we dive in? Uh, well, I'm now retired. I was a physician, a neonatologist for 34 years, and I worked full time and also raised three wonderful children. They're all grown young adults now. I have a son and two daughters. My son is a cinematographer and lives in Los Angeles. What an exciting life. One daughter is a pediatric ICU nurse. She's married with two kids. And so I love being a grandmother. 
It's a new phase of life. And my youngest child is still trying to finish college and head towards the career she really, really wants. I practice medicine full time while I raise my kids. I was married to a physician who was also a pediatrician. So he was able to pick up for me when I was not there, when I was on call in the hospital. He was a great dad. He was the chief cook in our house. I, I'm not a very good cook and he loves to cook. And so I did everything with children and nannies in school and sports. And he did all the grocery shopping and the cooking. And we had a pretty good balance of tasks, I think. So we always had a very busy life. I pulled back from working full time when my older daughter was an adolescent and she got into trouble with an eating disorder. But other than that one year, when I went part-time, I, I was able to work full-time throughout my whole career. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Well, and I didn't realize your husband was also in the medical field. So you both held pretty su substantial and busy careers alongside having children. So, you know, holding that full-time medical career, what was it like for you? Did you feel like you ever were stretched thin or feel like you had to choose between the career and motherhood? Oh, I always felt stretched too thin. And I always felt I had to choose. But medicine is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. And being a doctor is so fulfilling. And I became a physician and a pediatrician and then a neonatologist before I ever got married. I was older when I had my kids. I was 34 when I had my first and almost 40 when I had my last. So I was really into being a doctor. I loved being a neonatologist. I didn't mind working full time and taking call at night until I had children. And then I didn't like it one bit. And the, the juggling, the balancing, the... What do you do when a child is sick? Who takes them to the pediatrician? Uh, you've got to be at the school to talk to the teacher. All the things that working moms have to juggle and be present for became very, very difficult. I was fortunate to always be in a practice where there were other mothers and some dads that were understanding and we would cover for each other. And as I said, my pediatrician husband did everything when I was not there. Now, he did not take the kids to the pediatrician when they were sick. He left that to me for some reason. <laughs> it was really difficult to work full time and to have three children. And so what I did was I did the best I could at work. And then when I came home, I was totally into my children, maybe more than my husband. But, you know, I. I did all the sports teams, I did all the play dates, I did all the after school parties and spend the night, I did all of the plays and all the productions, we were always there for everything. So I think I did a pretty good job of being there. One of the ways that I stayed really healthy, Gabe, in the early part of my career was that I would play with my kids on the weekend. 
if I was not working. I would get outside and play ball, play t-ball, throw the ball around, play on the playground, take the kids to the neighborhood swimming pool. I love child's play and I still do it. I do it with my granddaughter. She's four and a half. And she says, come on, let's go to the playground. So I think even though I was a full-time working mother, I figured out pretty early how to decompress, talking with my husband, how to play with my kids, how to leave work at work whenever I could. It was not always possible, but it was usually possible. Mm -hmm. Since when I left the hospital, then I could go home and I was off duty. Uh, I did have to learn to make time for exercise. I think exercise is one of the best ways working moms can take care of themselves. And biologically, it lifts our mood, it improves hormones that make us feel happy. But it's so hard to carve out the time to do that when you're a full-time working mom. When I was younger, I would strike out and go on a run. I would run in the neighborhoods and, you know, that was good exercise. Running two or three miles was fine. But it did take me a while as, as the kids got busier to learn how to prioritize time for just me. I think all working moms struggle with that. All my friends did. We would talk about it all the time. We would talk about everything we had to do when we weren't at work. I mean, doctors are just like mothers in other jobs, nurses, lawyers, accountants, uh, teachers. You work when you're at work. And when you're at home, you try to keep everything flowing and you try to be there when your kids need you. And so I learned over the first 10 years of being a mother how to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you said is so important for us to hear is when you're at work, you were present at work and you were doing your best there, you know, not worrying as much about what's going on at home. But when you were home, you were present at home and present for your kids. And really, our kids don't need all our time. But no. when they have our time, they need the quality time, right? And right, so right. it's really, are we willing to set aside our phone? Are we willing to set aside our work for that short amount of time so our kids can say, you know, we can pretty much tell them, I see you and I'm here for you and I'm going to play with you and you are important to me, right? So I love that. That is so critical. I really like doing homework with the kids. I wouldn't do it for them, but I would help them. And, and, you know, I helped them get organized. My son was kind of goofy and disorganized and my youngest had ADHD. And so there's plenty for a mom to do when you've got an unmotivated child or a child with ADHD. My older daughter was smart and organized and structured and she's a great overachiever like me. <laughs> and so she was really easy to help along. But yeah, I did, I did value my home time. It was so precious to me that I have to admit, Laura, the youngest, says, Mom, sometimes you came home and talked about patience with Dad. And I said, really, did I? And she said, yeah, sometimes you would tell us these really sad stories and talk about 
feeling sad about a particular mom who was having a hard time. I said, oh, honey, I hope I didn't do it too much. And she said, no, we knew to let you and dad decompress from the day. And then we could tell you what was going on at school as we all sat around the dinner table. And I kind of groaned when she told me that because it means my children learn to let us go first. But then we fully attended to them and talked with them and loved our family dinners. It, it was a huge priority in my family. Yeah, so good. And sometimes it is important for them to see um, us as a couple, you know, getting that time together and really putting the importance on our relationship even before them, because our relationship is going to last longer than they're going to be in the house, right? So it's that importance of showing that dynamic too. So it, I think it's actually a valuable lesson that they learned early on. Now, I know that you've had your share of struggles as a working mom and taking care of the home, but one of the struggles that you experienced was postpartum depression after your third child. Can you share a little bit more about that journey for you? Did you have any of that with your first two or was this completely new territory for you? No, my first two kids were fine, although I didn't have a long enough maternity leave, <laughs> eight weeks with each one. And, you know, right back to work. But, you know, I was able to pump breast milk at work. And I didn't have any trouble with my second one, even though I had a lot of difficulties with breastfeeding, which tends correlated with postpartum depression. Hmm. But I didn't have any depression with the first two. With the third one, everything started out fine. And then we moved to a new city and we developed... Uh, and we joined new practices. My husband had a great job offer. So we moved to a new city. I had three little kids. Laura was only four months old. The older two were four and seven. <clears throat> and I started work maybe a month into that new job. And I was stressed more than I imagined I would be. Of course, you're finding a new house kids in new schools, new teachers, new neighborhood, new neighbors, new friends, and juggling all that. And I didn't have my friends from Houston after we moved. So I thought that I was just stressed. Hmm. I couldn't sleep. So Laura was four months old, maybe six months old when I started having symptoms. I was in a bad mood. I couldn't sleep. I wasn't hungry. I didn't want to eat. I could take care of her fine and I breastfed her fine. But I noticed at work that I felt foggy and I couldn't think straight. I just felt so overwhelmed. And so I think that my depression was, was exacerbated by the new job and the change in location. And it's true that major events in life can really affect how new moms adjust. Nevertheless, a friend of mine was talking to me at lunch one day, and I was moaning about, you know, always waking up at four or five in the morning and no appetite and didn't feel like I was doing a good job and always kind of down in the dumps. And she said, don't you think you're depressed? She was also a pediatrician. I said, I don't know. I thought I was just stressed. And she said, I think you should go talk to somebody. 
So I looked up the criteria for depression and I said to myself, wow, I have a lot of features. And I went to talk to a psychiatrist who was really wonderful. He put me on antidepressants. I continued to breastfeed another six months. So, and everybody knows that there's some antidepressants that are totally compatible with breastfeeding. And I began psychotherapy with him. And as I did that, I started to feel better. He and I, he helped me examine my priorities. He helped me see that I was working too much, that I hadn't made new friends, that I had no social support around me, that my husband was really, really happy in his job and I was really, really not happy in mine. And so he helped me figure out that I had heaped too much work onto myself and I had stopped taking care of myself. Mm. So it wasn't a classic postpartum depression that you get within the first month or two after your baby's born, but it was related to her birth and our moving and my new job. And I did get better with antidepressants and therapy. And within a year, I had unloaded a lot of my clinical work and I had made a friend or two. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I had, I felt better about the kids' school and I had gotten to know their teachers. And so I guess I got my footing. Moms that are new have to have support around them. If you're dealing with a baby, whether it's a four-month-old, a two-month-old, or a one-year-old, and you change jobs, and your husband is away, and you lose your friends, or you go to a new city, or you have some major turmoil in your life, like the loss of a family member, or you get fired, or you quit your job, or all those major things that affect us, if you're taking care of a baby, you are already pushed to the edge. Most moms are. I mean, you're hormonal and you're sleep deprived and you're doing the best you can. And so it's easier to get depressed if some major life event happens while you have a new baby. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're talking about needing that support because I think especially as new moms, <laughs> that's crucial because it's a, oh. it's a big journey. It's a big change and transition. And you're not only taking care of yourself, you're taking care of baby, a new baby. And I love that you had, even though you were working on creating new friendships, you had that one friend who gave you the nudge to say, I think you need to get this checked out. Like, right. It could be something serious. And it is so important. That, yeah. Yeah. Cause you might just think, Oh, it's just, it's just, just stress. Season, right. Yeah. It'll go away. I want new moms to know that if they feel like they can't sleep, if they feel like they can't take care of their baby, if nothing is fun, if they don't like being with their baby, if their husband keeps asking them, what's wrong? Are you okay, honey? If I think new moms underestimate how hard it is to have a new baby, 
to breastfeed, to formula feed, to wake up in the night, to take care of everything, to entertain visitors. The last thing we need is entertaining visitors. And new moms sometimes get caught up and don't realize that they're depressed. You know, postpartum depression happens in one in eight pregnancies. It is the most common complication of childbirth. And so we want new dads as well as new moms to know about it so they can say, "Hun, are you okay? My husband didn't notice. He thought I was just stressed. It was my friend at work who noticed. So we want new moms and new dads to know that abnormal behavior around after the time you have a baby can be helped, that you can get treatment, you can talk to somebody. And I'll tell you something else, you're, you're, a lot of your mothers may know, pediatricians now are screening for postpartum depression in their offices. It is so important that when you take in your baby for well baby visits, two weeks, a month, two months, the pediatrician asks new mothers to fill out a little checklist that looks for postpartum depression because it's just crucial to identify it early and get moms the help they need. Mm, yeah, it is. And I, sometimes as moms, we think we have to go at it alone and we have to kind of be the, the martyr or the one sacrificing and all these things, but we forget that our health is just as important. And if something's going on with us, it's going to affect our whole family dynamic and the atmosphere of our house. So, cause we, we yes. create that atmosphere. So it's okay to reach out and ask for help. It's okay. And it's warranted. Like it, there should be no reason for us to do it alone. Right. It is <laughs> totally okay for us to reach out for help. American culture has convinced mothers that they're supposed to be strong and do it all themselves and be the perfect mother. When in fact, the opposite is true. New moms need to be supported by a loving grandmother or mother-in-law, loving friends, a loving husband, support system around you. It's so crucial to feel that support when you have a new baby. It is just imperative. And our American culture has somehow told moms we got to be strong. We got to do it all ourselves. You know, we got to post the pictures on Instagram and make everything look perfect, even though we feel like we're going to drop over for lack of sleep. So I really worry a lot that American moms are getting the wrong message that they have to be perfect, that they have to do it on their own. And the opposite is true. Yeah. And it's so biblical. That, I mean, the, God talks about how the elders should take care of the youngers and lead these young women and teach them and train them up in the Lord and in their motherhood and, and all of that stuff. And I, the problem is the desire to be perfect, I think. The culture says you have to be perfect. You have to do everything perfectly. And by the way, you need to sacrifice your family for work or you need to be perfect in, in these areas. And... It, that, that message is so damaging. It's even in our self-image, right? It, we need to be the perfect looking. We have, you know, all the things that go along with what happens with us as women and the culture and what the culture says is right. But perfection 
is never possible. Like that, if we can get that out of our mind in the beginning and say, I'll never be perfect. So why am I striving for it? That would change our mindset right away. And that would give Uh, us a new perspective. I agree with you. You are totally right. Women are not meant to raise babies alone. They're meant to have partners. They're meant to have family around them, grandmothers, mothers-in-law. They're meant to be supported. And this notion of being a perfect mother is so deceptive. I remember when I first got pregnant, I read every book on child development, all the baby books that were available. Nothing was online back then, but I intended to be perfect. And then I discovered, wow, this is kind of hard, you know? This is really not easy to be perfect, much especially if you're trying to work and be a mom. And I'll tell you a cute story. I was working really hard one month. David must have been five or six months old. And I had a nanny that was so sweet, bless her heart. And I pulled in one evening about 7 p.m. It was a long day at work. And she looked at me. She had her hands on her hips. She said, you are working too much. Your baby needs you more than this. It was one of the best things that anybody ever said to me. And I thought, golly, you're right. I am working too much. And so I kind of dialed it back a little bit. And then when I had my second baby, two children always makes you figure out that you cannot do it perfectly because one goes here and the other one is here and one needs this and the other one needs that. And then when you go with the third, as you know, it's, there is no perfection. There is only chaos in motion and a full life and a wonderful family and it's incompatible with perfection. I think the closest I ever got to perfection as a mother was sitting down at the dinner table with my husband and my three kids and hearing them talk about their days at school. That was in my mind perfection as a mother. And that is perfection because yeah, you're, family, you're being a family and yeah. isn't that what we want? We want to be able to have that conversation and share and think about the values we want to instill and really think about how do we want to raise them, right? Yes. More than trying to have the house cleaned and the dinner on the table and all the things. It's okay to have right. a messy house sometimes, right? <laughs> all the things are too much to do if your children need you. So, mm. yeah, I agree. True. It, but, you know, some people like me, it takes a little while to let go of that desire to be perfect. And then within about 10 years, so David, David was 10, Anne would have been seven, and Laura would have been four. I said to myself, you know, I really think I'm a good enough mother. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of being a good enough mother. I'm always there for them when they need me. If I have to leave work, I do. We're always together as a family when I'm not at work. I learn how to take care of myself. They're all doing fine. They're all growing and learning. I think I'm a good enough mother. So I really had left perfect mother behind. And my husband said, I think that was one of the best things you ever decided was being a good enough mother. 
I love that. We could, we could totally coin that good enough mother. Yes. Yeah. We don't have to be the perfect mom because we already are the perfect mom for our kids. Like yes. God put us in our kids life for a reason. He gave them to us as a gift to help them and to train them. And we are enough for them. That is so that. true. I, I believe that we are blessed with each child and as they had different troubles along the way, I could recognize that the difficulty <clears throat> that I went through as a mother with a particular child taught me huge lessons, life lessons. And it was so important to see that each child needed a different kind of mother from me. I love that about having multiple kids, that each child blesses you with different talents, different needs, and then you're called to be a stronger person to take care of them, to help them. Mm, yeah, so good, so good. Now, as we start wrapping up this episode, I'd love to hear what kind of tangible advice or what's your biggest lesson you could give us in how to let go of perfection as, as a working mom or as a mom in general? Well, that's a toughie. Let's see. I think we all need to take deep breaths. Think about being a good enough mother to the child or children you have. Think about all the gifts that you have to offer your kids. Think about what makes you feel fulfilled. For me, it was being a physician and being a mother. For some people, it may be just being a mom. For other people, it may be doing both like me. But the sooner we accept being a good enough mother, being there and giving our children all the love and all the talents that we have, the happier we will be. Self-care is really crucial. I'm a big proponent of self-care for moms, whether they work outside the home or not. Exercise, playing, some people like meditating, some people like journaling, taking care of your spiritual life. All of those things are so important to stay healthy. It's just as such an amazing experience to be a mother. Now that I have grown kids and grandkids, I look back on it and I think, wow, I mean, I loved being a doctor. I loved taking care of sick babies. But the thing in my life that gave me the most joy, the most satisfaction, the most fulfillment was being a mother to my three children. Mm, yeah, I totally get you because I, you know, when, when my second one was about to be born, I kind of had that feeling like, how can I love him as much as my first? Because I love my first so much. And then he's born and they plop him on you and you're like, oh yeah, I get it now. I get this. <laughs> you have <laughs> you so do. much more to give and you don't realize that there's so much love to give until you have another child to give it to. Yeah. It's almost endless. Our ability to be mothers to children that we love is is really like pouring out your cup, which reminds me that another piece of good advice I got from a Methodist minister was do not forget to fill up your cup. 
You cannot pour yourself out for your patients and your children if you do not fill up your own cup. Again, those self-care issues are so crucial so that we'll have the strength, we'll have the wisdom to give our kids what they need. Yeah, so true. I love it. Thank you for those tips. That's awesome. Now, you just wrote a book called So Many Babies, My Life Balancing a Busy Medical Career and Motherhood. In this book, does it do you go quite a bit deeper into the story you just shared? Or can you tell us a little bit about it? I do go deeper into that story. And I also tell other uh, challenges that I had uh, being a mom. I had a three-year-old child that was bitten by a dog in the face, right? 10 feet away from me. Uh, my son was bullied in the sixth grade, and I had to figure out how to help or not help him through that situation. I mentioned to you that uh, my daughter as a teenager had an eating disorder, and we had to figure out what was going on and get her the help she needed. So I talk about in, this, in the book all those maternal challenges, and I link them with the stories of very special patients and parents who meant a lot to me over the years. NICU babies and their parents are so amazing because they always teach lessons. And NICU parents are brave and inspirational and courageous and do such a good job of hanging in there through a really difficult part of their life. So my book is weaving together stories from the NICU with stories of my own motherhood journey. Mm, I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to pick up a copy and read it myself. I love books that inspire and to help us to really just see that we are a good enough mother. And I just love that. I think that's where we need to leave it today because that is so good. If you heard that, all you need to be is good enough. That's it. And you're good enough for your kids and you're good enough for your husband and you're good enough for all the roles that you have to do, just leave perfect at the door because you ain't going to be that. <laughs> if, we're, if we're good with that, then we can be good enough. So if my listeners want to connect with you, what's the best place for them to find you? My website is susanlandersmd.com. All of the social media links are there. There's a contact form where you can email me. I also have a blog there. And of course, there are links to buy the book with online booksellers. Well, Susan, this has been such a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing with us your story and some tips on how to leave that perfection behind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as it's one of the biggest compliments you could give me. If you have any friends or family whom you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with them. Also, if you're not a part of our free Simplicity and Motherhood online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your giftings, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.